Hey, what's happening? Welcome to the end of the week. This is the Shake Up on Hack. And it has been a pretty busy week for me, especially the past 24 hours. I'm going to be honest, I'm operating on not much sleep. Who knows what kind of wild energy that's bringing to the podcast. Hopefully it's still a good listen. No, no, it is. Because sometimes when I have no sleep, I'm even more rogue and fun. So let's hope that's the case. We've had big celebrations at Triple J. That's the reason because, of course, Ebony Wadu left Breakfast Presenter after a couple of years. So we were celebrating very long and hard for Ebony, but also big time in news as well over the past few days. Like we've been trawling through heaps of big politics news and other heavy stuff. In this podcast, though, we're going to get into some of the other topics that got you talking this week. Here's a little taste. Hack, there are so many benefits in terms of energy, engagement, retention that we gain from having those those mates at work. Fashion house Balenciaga is suing the production company behind its controversial recent ad campaign. It's coming home, baby. It's coming. On Triple J. Yeah, Balenciaga. What the hell was that? And the Socceroos, big win this week. Now everyone's a football fan again. Good to see. Time to crack in with an outstanding shake-up crew. Let's meet them. One of our favourites, court reporter at News Corp, Eliza Barr. Welcome back to Hack. Thanks for having me, Dave. What are the weekend plans? Oh, look, who can say? But if the sun is out, I'm hoping that that will pretty much sort out the activity after that. I so. know. Well, we're kind of in summer now. So we're, right. we're expecting big things. It's been pretty disappointing <laughs> up until now. So now is our time. Now's our time. And our other guest, Shake Up First Timer, comedian Anthony Lokasha. How the hell are you? Hi, Dave. I'm well. Are you happy to be here? Yeah, I'm thrilled. I've actually been trying to get you here for a little while. Yeah, we, we just can't get our, our dates in sync, can and we? And you were like, oh, I would have loved to this week, but I can't. And I thought, maybe he just doesn't want to come on. But no, we, you actually are just a busy person. Too many half Sicilians in one radio station. <laughs> man, that's, it's no good. There's age-old adages about why that shouldn't work. I know, there's <laughs> evil eye flying around this room like nothing else. Exactly. Um, guys, we've got a big show ahead, so let's get stuck in. Hack. From his point of view, probably looked like we weren't working, but we were still working and enjoying ourselves at the same time. On Triple J. Yeah, so I mentioned before, operating on very little sleep, was up all night preparing for Ebony Boidu's last show on Triple J Breakfast this morning, and then in here super early to make sure everything was sorted, get that DJ set locked and loaded. Now, for me, work feels a lot emptier that I know that one of my besties isn't here. Some of us love getting close to workmates. I'm definitely one of those people. Others hate it. They're dead against it. So we're asking today, work family, yes or no? Hack. What advice do you give people about their workplace relationships? Do you encourage people to form form friendships or do you mm. discourage it? Absolutely encourage it. From his point of view, probably looks like we weren't working, but we were still working and enjoying ourselves at the same time. There are so many benefits in terms of energy, engagement, retention that we gain from having those, those mates at work. People always ask me, like, what's it like to work with people around here? And when they ask about you, I always say that, you know, what you hear on the radio, like, is exactly what she is like in real life. Well, Eb, I've worked with you for the last two years and, God, they have been a crazy two years. And I look at, like, what we did, you know, from, from work point of view, that there's so much. You were just exactly what I hoped I'd find in the, in the co-host. Thank you. <laughs> on Triple Jack. Very emotional morning, wild ride this morning. A lot of tears. 
there might be tears again this afternoon. Who knows? I'm welling up as we speak. I want to know, is this something that hits for you? Are you big on building close friendships at work or do you prefer to keep things pretty distant? And why? Whatever you think, why do you think that? Call in 1300 You can message in as well, 0439 Time to get into it with the Shake Up crew, News Corp journalist Eliza Barr, comedian, football fanatic, Anthony Lakasha. Eliza, newsrooms, famously very tight-knit places. Is it important to you to make big friendships at work? I think it's important. When you spend as much time in the office as you do, or in my case, it's often the courthouse as well, you... <laughs> do you make friends at court? <laughs> <laughs> well, that depends. Uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's really important to have uh, people that you get along with around you. Obviously, you can't always choose your workmates, but I think it's good to have a a positive environment and people that you can trust. And I, I know for me, my work friends at the moment are people that I can trust and we work together and we help each other out and... Uh, especially that's such a unique experience to share when you're all that yeah. you, that team in one location having that particular experience of working in a particular environment. So they're really valuable. And maybe me. it kind of does depend on like the kind of work you're doing, the profession you're in and whether that fosters a collective kind of experience and you feel like, you know, you work similar hours or you understand things that not many other people understand. Anthony, what do you think? Work friends, are we into them? Well, Dave, uh, <laughs> as you know, I am a stand-up comedian and occasional podcaster, which means that my co-workers are the people that live in my head. <laughs> and that's the way I like it. I um, Before I became a stand-up comedian, I was in the insolvency industry. For oh, about, yeah. that's a weird oh. transition, yeah, I feel. Isn't What's it? That? Isn't it just... <laughs> I, was, I still don't actually quite understand. Were you like, I want something completely different to what I'm doing now? No, I just felt like I owed a favour to the world. You know, <laughs> I, had, I had sucked enough good karma out of these poor people whose houses I was taking away, so I decided uh, to bring some joy into their lives. Yeah, fair enough. Prior to getting to there, I worked in a, I worked in Italian restaurants for ages, and okay. the obligation was you walk in, you, you say hi to the chefs, you got to give them a kiss on the cheek mm. e- and before even starting, and that's, that's just standard. Yeah. And then I went from there to the most sanitised, just cold place ever this office you didn't even make eye contact with the people that you worked with to the point where I got really used to that and I kind of enjoyed the the kind of solitude of it and then I went from one insolvency firm to another where it was what's a nicer way to say incestuous Oh, okay, right. So day so two. really friendly. Yeah. Really fr- Yeah, really, <laughs> really friendly. Somewhere. Oh, I think I understand, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I, t- I turned up and on day two, the guy sitting next to me in the cubicle shows me a photo that he went on a trip to the Gold Coast with his boys and I did a little swivel on the office chair and I saw all the boys. Like they, they all... Oh, wow. So the whole people, crew was in the office. These people hung out independent of work and I wanted to vomit in my mouth. <laughs> And then they said to me, you know, if you pass your probation period here, we'll invite you to the next one. And that's the story of how I became a comedian. So hold on. <laughs> did you did you pass though? No, I purposefully I threw tea at the CEO. I didn't okay. want to, I, there's no way I was getting invited. Maybe to that it's because you knew you wouldn't pass, Anthony. You wanted to be part of that crew. It just wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> Look, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I was a great insolvency practitioner. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I kind of feel like, see, that experience, the one that made you sick in your mouth or whatever, that's kind of what, <laughs> what a lot of us have at Triple J, which might make other people really sick of like, you know, and especially the early mornings, what I was saying before about maybe when you work in different professions and stuff, I feel like some of my biggest friendships were formed when I was working overnight shifts. And then when I would finish work, there was no one to hang out 
out with except the other people that worked overnight shifts. Or, yeah, early morning, same thing. We'd finish, go to lunch together, have a great time together. We're getting a lot of comments on this one. Rowan in Warrnambool says, one of my workmates saved my life on the job. Now we're <laughs> best mates. Yeah, you'd Fair think enough. so. Shout out to my mate Will. Good on you, Will, for saving a life. And how could you not be? That's 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 crazy. Christian in Baxter says, I've spent years of my adult life at work. Why wouldn't I try and make my experience more enjoyable and fulfilling by making friends? Some of my best mates are made through work as we have a shared experience. Another person says, was always dead against work best friends until I met mine and he's changed my life. Well, people are really getting around this idea I don't know, Eliza, what do you think about social activities related to work? Because this is another discussion that's popped up this week about, you know, work drinks and those sorts of things. Again, sometimes you'll find in your work environment that there are some people who get around those all the time, others who don't want a bar of it, don't want to be part of it. Michael Hing, Drive presenter, told me, he was like, I think you should be paid to go to work drinks. I think, honestly, it's a work, <laughs> it's work time. Yeah, it's work time. I don't want to hang out with these people. You should have to pay. What do you reckon? I think there's probably a bit of a fine line. On the one hand, I think at the very least you owe a level of civility to the people that you work with and to not make the work environment uncomfortable by being unwilling to engage socially, at least to a degree. But I also think, I mean we have to be reasonably highly evolved about people's boundaries as well. And if someone doesn't want to go and have a thousand beers after work or whatever else it is, then that's probably something that should also not result in repercussions for that person if that's something for them that they're not comfortable with. But at the same time, I still think it's it's good to have a a mutually healthy social environment in an office, you have to spend a lot of time with these people and you don't want it to be hostile. Well, it's interesting the points you raised there because there was a story that popped up this week out of France, a man who claims that he was fired for being too boring and not wanting to go to after work drinks. He had a win in court. The company he worked for said there were actually other reasons he was sacked, not because he wasn't being fun enough. Anthony, did you see this? What do you think of this story? No, I didn't see that. And I, I would I would say that it probably depends on the industry, like we were saying before, mm. because I know a few people, com- comedians, in fact, who are employed as a day job as um, vibe officers in certain in certain corporate oh, settings. <laughs> and the idea being that to, fo- to foster a good entertaining culture within the, the office will generally lead to better productivity. So I can see why they probably would be justified in firing this boring guy in France. I've never met a boring French person, incidentally. <laughs> no, so wow. yeah, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's a good time. I don't know. Um, do you reckon people who are naturally introverted though at massive um, work events and stuff are at a big disadvantage here? And that is something to consider as well. Like social events revolving around work that some people Anthony, you're shaking your head. I think it's the total opposite, Dave. This this is a way for people to be forced into friendships like it's preschool, which is why so <laughs> So many people that I used to work with were only friends with people that they worked with. It's like people that go to the gym and they're only friends with other people that go to the gym. I'm looking at these people like, what happened to you in your life, man? Why are all your friendships bred in captivity? You're not a Tasmanian devil. What's wrong with you? I don't trust those kind of people. So I think it suits the introverts, to be honest. We've got a lot of messages still coming through. Claire says, I could not get through my work day without my work bestie. I'm in spare parts and she's a mechanic and I would go nuts if I didn't have a chick to work with in this male-dominated industry. Maddie says, my work friends are now 
now my closest friends. I'm a teacher and I'd be lost without my banter, tears and support from my work besties. And someone else says, where I worked, if you didn't lock your computer, other employees would write emails from your account. They'd send emails to all the staff and, you know, say horrible things. Oh, that's that's crazy. Um, HR. Yeah, HR. It's time for that. Eliza, I don't know. What 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 do you think of all this? Do you think that um, it is can be a bit unhealthy to mix friendships with work sometimes? That there is a line that you can overstep. Like you're supportive in some aspects, but you know you can go too far, as Anthony's saying. I definitely think that there are occupational hazards, but at the same time, I mean, for my part. Sometimes I go home at the end of the day and someone will be like, hey, how was your day? And I'll be like, I wrote about murder, allegedly. Mm. And there's just, you know, there's not a lot of people who aren't in my industry and in my newsroom that actually understand what that's like. So for me, the most valuable thing about having work friends is having people that share the unique experiences that really only you have because of the industry that you're in together. So yeah, boundaries, they're great super important, but I think there are also really tangibly useful reasons to stay in the trenches with people who are just like you and are dealing with the same stuff that you are. Yeah, fair enough. I like how you added allegedly in there, a true court reporter there, Anthony. <laughs> I once had a feud with a barista that I worked with at a cafe. <laughs> uh, we, we, we bonded over hip-hop. We bonded over um, obscure kind of underground hip-hop when we first started and, and, and I thought we were going to be fast friends, but then um, I, I don't know, I think I delivered a piccolo as a waiter a little bit too slow and oh, he didn't talk to me for you. nine months. <laughs> We worked what? together almost every day for that entire period, but he didn't talk to me for nine months. So that since then, I'd be careful with who I get close to. Yeah, what the <laughs> hell? Oh, God. you got a lot of stories, Anthony. That's what I'm starting to realise. And feuds, I mean, that's a that's a true... If the, if the use of the word allegedly was a true characteristic of a court reporter, then a feud is the true characteristic of a Sicilian. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> And a comedian. Um, and a comedian, yeah. yeah goes, a lot of goes hand in hand. in comedy. JC in Canberra says, as a manager, I advocate friendships at work. It builds a fantastic culture that attracts skills where people want to come and work in my team. As a manager, though, I do keep distant from social relationships because I have to ensure I remain objective and unbiased with regards to performance of my staff. That's a big one because if everyone's too friendly and not everyone's at the same level, things can get, you know, pretty awkward or you can feel like... Like there's clicks happening and maybe you're not in it. Somebody else says it's a lot easier to have work friends when you're an employee rather than an employer. Right, okay, it would be pretty challenging if you're the boss, I guess. Someone else says, I have a work Christmas party tonight and I'm dreading it. I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling physically ill right now. I'm so sorry, but just go. I don't yeah. know. You might have a good night. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. Manifest something positive. Yeah. Hey, look, there's so much more we could talk about, but I reckon it's time to move on. Hack. Typically advertising, especially fashion advertising, is always a little bit edgy, but there is an edge and then there is a line and they've gone beyond the line. On Triple J. Yeah, big high fashion labels are well known for always trying to push the envelope with ideas. Every year they're trying to be more creative, more edgy. But fashion label Balenciaga has been condemned around the globe for one of its latest ad campaigns. A teddy bear wearing BDSM gear is what started this controversy, but things soon escalated and now 
Balenciaga is tripping over itself with apologies. Packed. Fashion house Balenciaga is suing the production company behind its controversial recent ad campaign that featured kids holding teddy bears in bondage gear. Kids and sex should never be combined. We have to end it. We have to end it now. Kim Kardashian, who's been modeling the luxury brand, has denounced the ad and is facing mounting pressure to ditch Balenciaga altogether. There's growing anti-LGBTQ sentiment right now. And it, how it's being framed is as portraying, you know, trans people as groomers. This is a term you'll hear on the far right. So Balenciaga played right into their hands by having kids in a sexualized manner. Obviously, a major brand campaign like this had to have oversight at the top levels. On Triple J. This is a strange story. Everyone's been talking about it. What do you think? All an honest mistake? Big brands not realising the full impact of the imagery and its advertising? Or part of a bigger problem here? And who's responsible? Because Balenciaga is now suing the production company it hired to create the ad campaigns. What do you reckon? You can call in 1300 055536. Message in as well 043975755. Want to dive into it now with the Shake Up crew, Eliza Barr and Anthony Locascio. Eliza, this was one of those stories that just kept getting worse and worse with every day. What did you think when I you saw it was these ad campaigns? Completely ludicrous. Just absolutely marketing brain explosion it's material. Kind of, you know, like when you read a headline or a story and then you think, oh, there must be a bit more to it or maybe this is a bit of a beat up. And then you <laughs> actually look at it and you think, no, it's, it's worse than I expected. Exactly as bad as we thought it was going to be. It's just, it's crazy. I don't know the minute details of the impending lawsuit, but I don't really understand the idea of going after the production company. How many pairs of hands did it have to pass through before it got to the point where children with teddy bears in BDSM material or costumes went out and was they were published. And I think what's really unfortunate about it is that I think it probably inevitably leads to some stigma as well. Of course, it's completely inappropriate for children to be engaging in that kind of content because it is by its nature sexual. But now it's kicked the hornet's nest of something that between, and this is key, consenting adults is really, it's fine. It's something that we accept as long as there's consent and everyone's of mm. age. So it's just it's just crazy. Why would you do that? And how are you going to start looking around for other people to blame? Yeah. At the end of the day, they have to be the custodians of their own image and everything that they put out into the world. Well, um, they're starting to realise that there's a lot of questions to answer and they've put out a few statements already, Balenciaga, this week. Anthony, does it surprise you that nobody picked up on this earlier? No, absolutely not. <laughs> this Okay, this is such a clearly honest mistake purely because if you look at other stuff that Balenciaga puts out, it's all a little BDSM-y, you know? You look, at their, you look at their bags, you look at their jackets, it's all very leather, there's a lot of steel hooks. But and... with children. Well, here's the thing. I, I imagine that their designers were just in such a kind of myopic brain time that mm. they just didn't realise what two things they were putting together. They're just so like, this you is think what that's we... weird for like a global brand like that and for like, you know, with it's not <laughs> it's not a boutique kind of small operation. It's a huge global brand and nobody looked at it and went, hold on, 
they must just be that high on their own supply mm. over there that they're like, no, 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 nothing that we do could possibly be controversial. And yet here we are. I think Kim Kardashian having to denounce it is a bit of a no-brainer now given that her ex-husband's out there saying that he uh, he likes some of the stuff that Hitler's saying. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's just a big circus well, that's, for Kim. That's the other thing now with the celebrities because, yeah, Kim Kardashian was quitty, pretty quick to put out a statement lot of pressure on celebrities aligned with Balenciaga to distance themselves or denounce it, say something. Australian Nicole Kidman has been slammed for not speaking out about it. Eliza, do you think celebrities do have a responsibility to address this stuff publicly? Uh, I think I think it's complicated because, you know, on the one hand, do we actually need celebrities to tell us that it's wrong? I think most people can come to the conclusion that it's completely insane and should never have been published and that it was completely inappropriate. But at the same time, I think any person, and this is not even just celebrities, this is probably just customers and people in general, you know, when we talk about cancel culture, sometimes I think that people don't think about how much more self-interested that actually is. If I'm Kim Kardashian, I don't want to be walking around or Nicole Kidman or whoever it is, even just a you know, non-famous repeat customer. I don't want to be walking around thinking that everyone thinks that I'm okay with this kind of stuff. So I guess it depends how much they care about how it may look to other people, how much we need them to validate the opinions and the standpoint that we've already come to about what the content actually is. Yeah. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Anthony, what do you think? I think there absolutely is an obligation on celebrities to denounce this kind of stuff when they're being paid buttloads of cash that's, by the I company. I agree with that. That's, I agree with that's that. That's the thing. These are millions of millions of dollars that people are being handed to, um, you know, promote these brands and and people do look, look to them as influencers. They influence people. Um, and especially because it's very, very difficult to cancel a brand. You know, if Apple didn't go down for using child labor certifiably, then then what, what what's what's going to happen with Balenciaga? They're, they're going to be fine. They need the Nicole Kidmans to come out and say, hey, don't buy this stuff. We've got some more messages coming through. Someone says, Kim was too slow to say anything. Christian says, surely Balenciaga signed off on the promo before it went live. Take some accountability for your own company's actions. Another person says, oh, stop talking about that brand. That's why they did it for PR. <laughs> Look, I mean, it's not it's not good PR. I, I don't know whether it's doing them any favours. Um, and somebody else says, it's not a mistake. It was totally planned. The apologies, as I said, have been coming through uh, from the company. They don't seem to be hitting with people. What should they be doing, Eliza, do you think? I think it's probably, it's probably time to look inward and figure out how have we gotten to this point. I think... You know, myopic is the perfect word. They're just, I, I think it's probably quite plausible that they're just so, yeah, high on their own supply, so inward focused, just dying on the hill of maintaining their aesthetic at all costs for fashion that they've lost sight on where the lines and the boundaries are. So I think it needs to first probably be looking inwards to see what kind of culture and what kind of self-obsession probably led to something so insane happening in the first place. And then I think accountability has to be about proving that you've actually backed up what you've said about recognising that it was wrong and showing that you can do better. And Anthony, do you think that this is going to lead to like some bigger change? Like, do you think a lot of 
similar brands are now freaking out, thinking, "Oh, what have we published recently? Like, what's our? It's gonna, it's gonna change anything." I'd say it's gonna stick out in the minds of a lot of people, hoping to use children and chains moving forward. But I don't know. I don't know. I think in order to atone, as um, as Eliza was saying, I think the only way to go about it for Balenciaga is to give out for free all of those teddy bears <laughs> to children's homes. That's the only way to to atone. Here. Well, and if we're talking about PR stunts or whatever or PR moves, there's definitely certainly things that companies have done in the past when they've made big stuff-ups in terms of charities and stuff like that. wouldn't be unheard of to do. Um, to do make a big gesture, somebody on the text line says, I used to buy this brand, not anymore. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, people now actively turning away from the brand and the damaging impact it's had on consumers. Someone says, never heard of the brand. Any publicity is good publicity <laughs> is a different point of view. And someone else says influencers that make money influencing people's purchasing decisions they need to stand up and distance themselves from companies that do controversial things like this they've profited of these businesses let's move on Ah, <laughs> oh, what a tune. What a moment. Oh, me talking about not getting much sleep last night, I must say, something a lot of football fans around the country can probably relate to at the moment. The World Cup keeping heaps of you up late, getting you out of bed early, especially to see the Socceroos. And now that our national team's made it to the knockout round, things are getting exciting. And you'll notice that strange phenomenon of people who were never into football, even if they usually slam it, are now all of a sudden obsessed with it. If you're a tragic, I want to hear from you. Does this kind of temporary support kind of piss you off? Or are you happy to have a lot more attention on the sport you love? Let me know. Message in 0439757555. I want to ask the shake-up experts, and I actually, we have an expert on this panel, kind of, someone who's at least really passionate about this sport, and it is Eliza Barr. Eliza. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, it could be Eliza Barr. Anthony, I know you're really into football, have podcasts, talk about it all the time. You're up all late. You were telling me you're averaging, what, a couple of hours a night? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Dave. And I thoroughly resent the term tragic, to be honest. I, uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to get you for that later. Um, but yeah, I, I've endeavoured to um, watch every single match of this World Cup live. I have yet every to... Every single match? Every single match of this World Cup live. I have yet to fail. I'm watching the ones that are simultaneous, one on the TV, one on the phone. <laughs> uh, and as soon as they're finished, I am pumping out a half an hour podcast every single morning. So I am averaging, yeah... No maybe maybe about two hours sleep. Yeah, I right. sleep in the forty five minute uh, forty five minute intervals between the games, which I've become very good at doing. You know what? I'm going to stick with tragic. I reckon. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair. You know what? Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll walk that back. Eliza, are you one of those people that gets into it once the team starts winning? Are you a massive Socceroos fan? Okay, football is not my code. Okay. I'm not going to lie to you, mm. but I did. I was that person the other day. I, I tweeted like, "Do I have to start paying attention to the football?" Now, is that a thing that I have to do? Look, I just, I just want to be involved now. Okay, I, I'm not going to pretend that it's a sport that I understand or that it's my preference. Low in saying that, when it comes to underdogs, I am a Cronulla Sharks fan, so I have <laughs> lived that life. Yeah. I have so lived that life. You get it. But yeah, I, I probably will take a bit of an interest just for the, the plot. If everyone else is, I want to be involved. So, what, what is it, Anthony? That's getting people like so? Is it just because it's this? 
it's not just a national thing. It's a global experience and people don't want to be missing out. That's what it is all of a sudden. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head, Dave. I'm just still, I'm just still trying to process just how much... Eliza was cringing and having to call it football just then, being a, being a clear Excuse rugby me. league supporter. I, I know what it's called. Indeed. Um, yeah, no, it's it's definitely that. It's the most watched thing in the world. They're, they're, they're estimating that 5 billion people are watching this World Cup. That's half plus of the entire world's population. But you know what's interesting about that? Because then when you talk, because like we were having discussions even in our own team and you know, the World Cup's coming up every day because there's lots of news around it every day and people mm. getting so annoyed, some people being like, oh, why are we still tired? They were talking too much about it, blah, blah, blah. But when it's AFL grand final time, like we're talking about that every day, people get really frustrated as well. Um, how do you kind of handle all that? I hate categorically every sport that isn't soccer <laughs> uh, or football, whichever whichever you want to whichever you want to call it. I actually don't mind. I'm not one of those snobs. Uh, but no, I, I I don't mind. I just don't get into it as much. I it's not it's not my thing. And the pub- if I'm not waking up at four o'clock in the morning for it, it's not my it's not my sport. And quickly, Eliza, the public holiday that Anthony Albanese kind of, you know, said, oh yeah, I'll give you a public holiday. What do you reckon? Anyone says that we have to go to work the next day. They're a bum. Uh, <laughs> look, I mean, if they were to win, I mean, again, I don't know a lot about football, but I'm inferring that if they did win, it would be fairly insane. So maybe because how long would it take us? To if, do that if again. If they won the World Cup or if they won against Argentina. Isn't it? Well, it's both, right? Argentina is like a pretty big deal. Yeah. So yeah. it's both. It's absolutely both. Hey, Anthony, quickly, what would happen if we won the whole thing? What would happen? I, I would say the world would cave in on itself phys- physically, not 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 uh, metaphysically. The world would some, reality some, would cease ex- to exist. Exactly, you'd be know pumping it. out a few podcasts then, wouldn't you? Forget about it. From from the depths of hell, I'd be I'd be pumping out the podcast. Would you retire I, from football, like? Observing. I actually retired from playing this year, to be honest. Okay. Oh, look, honestly, they've got a lot of messages coming through on this. Someone says, I love Aussies getting on the bandwagon. We're the biggest bandwagoners in the world. Someone else <laughs> says, it's great to have extra supporters. Very positive. Mandy from Sydney. I'm not ashamed to say I love any international game. I could not bear to watch sport every week. And someone says, as Graham Arnold said, the World Cup unites us all. Love it. That was Francis in Orange. Look, that's all we've got time for, guys. Thank you so much for coming in. Huge thanks to News Corp journalist Eliza Barr. Thank you. And comedian Anthony Lokasha. I hope you enjoyed your first time. The way you pronounce my surname, Dave, just just tickles me inside. Antonio Lokasha. <laughs> Hack on Triple J. And that's all we've got time for on the Hack Podcast for now. I'll catch you next time.